I'm Dr. Bill Adams. I'm a plastic surgeon in Dallas, Texas, associate professor of plastic surgery at UT Southwestern Medical Center and the program director for the Aesthetic Fellowship. I'm also the current president of the Aesthetic Society and past president of the Aesthetic Surgery Education and Research Foundation. You're listening to Interview with the Surgeon with the Surgeon Agent. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Interview with the Surgeon. Today, we welcome Dr. Bill Adams, President of the Aesthetic Society and also the Director of the UT Southwestern Aesthetic Surgery Fellowship. Doc, how are we doing today? Doing excellent. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for being with us. So kind of getting started, you know, what were your goals and aspirations during your residency and how did those change throughout your fellowship? Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I went from uh, Vanderbilt Med School, which is where I uh, you know, spent four years. And, um, you know, I kind of, I knew things, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon initially. And then I, it turned into, I found that I really liked other areas of surgery better and particularly plastic surgery. But it was a little bit of a jump to go to where I went to one of the, there's uh, the, the typical pathway for plastic surgery is five years of general surgery and then two, a two or sometimes three-year fellowship at the time. It's mostly two-year fellowships. Um, but there were three programs that were doing this combined, what now is called integrated plastic surgery programs. So they were five, at the time, five-year programs. But then you did general surgery and plastic surgery. So I ended up being fortunate enough to to get into one of those, but it was a little bit of a jump because a lot of the traditionalists would say, no, no, you don't want to do that. You're not going to be a good surgeon. And uh, I think we've learned that's not necessarily the case. I think actually you concentrate more on what what you're doing when you do those, the integrated uh, residency. So I think they're, they're excellent. But so that was the first thing I was like, it was like, okay, am I doing the right thing? Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when you go, into a program, uh, you know, Parkland Hospital was, was we, it was it was a fantastic combined uh, residency uh, and fellowship because the way Parkland General Surgery worked, you were really the chief when you were a third year. So we did really did kind of three years of gen, three years of general surgery, but it was a little different because we had interspersed in there some electives like, you know, we had like orthopedics or neurosurgery or oral surgery or ENT, you know, so we were doing in plastic surgery. So we were getting some of the subspecialty stuff, but still getting a lot of operative experience and patient care experience. So it was, it was really fantastic for integrated or combined residency. And then we moved to uh, full-time plastic surgery. And I actually did a research fellowship in between. Um, so I, I ended up doing my total time of six years, but, you know, I think once once you figured out it was pretty a pretty good situation. Um, it was just like you know you're you're pretty much engulfed in learning to be a surgeon and learning to be a good doctor, and you know you don't really know what's going on, on the outside. There might be a bunch of things going on, nine eleven other things, and you barely know they're there. But uh, you're just in the hospital all the time. So, um, but it was uh, it was you know. I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, it's, it, it's, it kind of shapes you into who you are as a person. And certainly I think those residencies, particularly the end of it, you know, in plastic surgery at UT Southwestern, it was a very, um, you know, people called intense. I, yeah, I guess it was intense, but that was just kind of who we were. We worked hard, but it was a great education. We worked with some fantastic mentors, you know, they emphasized um, aesthetic surgery quite a bit at UT Southwestern has always been the case. And uh, so, you know, I think that shaped a, a lot of my um, kind of subsequent 
um, aspirations to do what I ended up doing. Uh, but you know, that's all, you know, it's kind of, that's what happens in your residency. So during your fellowship, you're going into the job search process for the first time. What was your mentality like and how that perspective changed in the beginning years of your career? Yeah, well, I, you know, so I, I kind of have had a hybrid career because I went from from a training, I went full-time, I was full-time faculty at UT Southwestern. You know, I had people, even in med school, I had um, a couple of my mentors that really said, oh, you you should do academics. So I kind of always had that in the back of my head, but um, UT was, it was a very academic place. Um, You know, we worked with a lot of um, really uh, well-known excellent surgeons, uh, good academicians, you know, our chair was Rod Rourke and Fritz Barton was just the immediate past, past chair, Steve Bird, you know, Craig Hobar, a lot of these guys doing, um, a lot of different things. John Tebbets at the time was not on faculty anymore, but he was around and another big mentor of mine. But yeah, I mean, so I went in to academics and it was like, you know, there was no one like we were sitting around baking cakes. I mean, we, I worked harder when I went to practice than I did my residency. And so it was just pretty full throttle, but we were, we were very driven. We were given some really, um, I think, uh, fantastic opportunities by a lot of our mentors in terms of being able to get into, you know, say presenting at meetings or writing papers or doing research, you know, so, and that's, and that's the thing you, you really want to, you want to support some of the younger people as they come up through. And we were cer- certainly supported myself and a couple of my colleagues uh, were supported. And, but, you know, I think you earn that, you know, it wasn't like people handed stuff to us on our platter. We were, we worked really hard and I think we did a good job. We took care of patients well and we treated the residents well um, and we were good educators and, and that's, and that's how you grow. But, you know, as you, you asked the question, so, I didn't know what, exactly what um, I wanted to do at the beginning. I just knew I, I really thought plastic surgery is great. We did tons of, I mean, it was Parkland was, um, we worked a lot of Parkland, but we also you know, had our, our developing kind of private end of the academic practice. We did a lot of microsurgery and trauma surgery and replants and all this stuff. And it was just, you know, uh, we thought it was great. You know, now you talk to me if I do microsurgery or something now, I'm like, oh my God, like, it'd kill you. But, um, but yeah, it was fantastic starting out. And, and then we were writing a lot of papers and doing a lot of research. So, you know, at the time, um, I was doing all that, but I knew as, as, as time went on and we started getting a few more, uh, junior faculty in who were taking over some of that workload that we initially were doing, then you start thinking, okay, what, what do I really want to do? Um, and I had done quite a bit of uh, research, particularly in breast um, implant aging, capsular contracture. That really was kind of the two areas that I had done. And those are the type of things that kind of shape your career because you get into a certain subject, you, you, you do research, you learn about it, you're treating some patients, you become a subject matter expert, and then you, that, and that's what you end up doing. And so for me, that's, that was kind of the turning point after doing some research and doing things and then really starting to focus on some of that. And I think certainly in the environment of where I was at UT Southwestern, um, aesthetic surgery, you know, some places aesthetic surgery is frowned upon, which is ridiculous because now it's, I think, the most uh, rapidly growing area in, in medicine or one of the most rapidly growing areas of medicine. But, but certainly at UT, it was not. It was actually, um, there's 
you know, people are visionary, people like Fritz Barton, who has really kind of um, started that trend of, of emphasizing aesthetic surgery education in our residency, you know, it, it was not frowned upon at all. And, and so we uh, started developing um, initially, you know, for me, breast reconstruction practices and then aesthetic breast uh, practices and, and kind of dovetailing in some of the the um, research I'd done on capsular contracture and other things like that. And, and so, you know, as, as, you know, and then it was, I went part-time at, at UT after um, in my ninth year. So eight years full-time then part-time. Um, and so I was part private practice, part-time um, at UT. And that's actually still where I am today. Um, although I'm, I'm getting more involved in UT because I'm the program director of the aesthetic fellowship um, now and, um, but, you know, that's been great for me. And I've really focused on a certain area of plastic surgery now, and even for, you know, the past 10 or, or 15 years, really more aesthetic breast and body has really been my area that I've concentrated on. And I think that's a, a good way to go, stay a little more general initially, and then, uh, and then you can focus in on what, what you feel like you have the most interest in and maybe have uh, done some, some things to kind of uh, be an expert in. And I think that's a good way to do it. What would you say were some of the keys of your success that shaped your early career as you're able to reach the success you've reached you today? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's a simple formula, right? You did, uh, you, you don't want to be an ass, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to be, um, you know, a person that it's felt to be, a, you know, work, you, you work hard and you, you kind of do what you say you're going to do and you take good care of patients. You try to make a difference, um, but the, you got to be a team player, you know, and I think that's, that's, um, we learned that early on. I think that's how you survive sometimes in residency, but I think in, in life, that's also uh, important. Um, and then you also have to develop some things outside, you know, the hospital or outside your work. You just can't, you can't work all the time. And so we, you know, we, I think we had a good balance and I think that really, helped shape, you know, my career, um, some of the relationships you make, whether it's within plastic surgery or outside of plastic surgery, um, those kind of personal friendships are kind of at the end, you know, everybody says like when you die, you know, it's not, nobody cares how hard you worked and, and that may or may not be true because obviously you're, it does shape kind of what you do and maybe um, uh, where you end up in, in, in life, but also there's stuff outside work is important. Um, your family, other things like that. And, uh, and so, so, you know, all those things shape your career. Um, and it's probably different for everybody. I would say, you know, you, you, everybody probably has a little different pathway there, but you definitely need to have some, 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 focus and probably it's more important as, as you get older, you know, when, when we were in residency and stuff, you know, we were, we barely, you know, we didn't have time for girlfriends, let alone families, but some people did. We, I, I, I luckily I didn't cause I think it'd be hard, but you know, as I went along my career, I, I was got married, I got a family and um, you know, th those, those things were important enough. I'd, and I'd had enough, I think advice from really good mentors that that's, um, that's stuff that needs to be prioritized. So I really kind of was thinking, well, how, how can I have better control over my time? And that was some of the decisions I made to go, to go from full-time to part-time so I could have a little better control over my time. 
maybe try to focus on certain areas of my practice that, that I felt like I could focus on better um, in, in that setting. Um, but also really trying to make sure that if I had kids, you know, I had prioritized, you know, spending time with them pretty much over everything else. And we fit in the rest of everything. Uh, and that's worked well, you know, because you can't, you can't just, uh, you can't have a family and expect it to just work. It's not, you know, you got, it, it has to be, it's like, you know, planting a garden or whatever. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta nurture all that and, and spend time. And, and, and that's how you raise good kids and be a good dad and that sort of thing. What advice do you have for graduating residents and fellows entering the professional job market for the first time? I think it's, you know, it's always been hard, but it's, it's dynamic, right? It's things are very different now than they were when I went into residency. Um, unfortunately, I think just like everything, things like social media are very, I think young residents, we see this in our program and our fellows, we see it, you know, they're like, they're all, they're all in the, they're using social media and they see people and they think, man, well, that's, that's the pathway. You know, that happens a lot in aesthetic surgery. Now it wasn't that way. And when I went into plastic surgery and through my residency, like, no, nobody, very few, uh, maybe one or two people a year would just come out and do aesthetic or cosmetic surgery. We, everybody did like, they started off doing some recon and doing things like that. And they'd, gradually built up aesthetic surgery practices but now you know it's different and i think there are people that that's they come out and they go straight into doing aesthetics um and i think you can do that you know some of my fellows um that we've trained have done that and and that pathway is is definitely legitimate and it's no longer it was kind of frowned upon 20 years ago or 25 years ago um you go take your boards and you just have aesthetic surgery cases that oftentimes that didn't go well but i think it's different times now um, but it's tough. I think there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of misinformation. Um, the social media thing is, uh, I think it's a net negative, honestly. I think that there's, um, uh, there's so many, um, potentially, you know, devastating things that can happen to somebody that gets, takes one or two wrong steps on social media. So I think you have to be really, really careful, um, the other thing is, is that I think for young surgeons coming out, you know, sometimes they see whoever, whoever they're, you know, it's usually somebody they admire. Okay, this, they have this practice, they're in this city, I want to do the same thing. We see that a lot. People want to go, you know, in Dallas, Fort Worth, for example. Um, I mean, when I, we went into practice, when I went to practice in Dallas, Fort Worth, um, I think there was total number of surgeons like 180. And I think now it's like, 400 and you know it's it's um there's more people here obviously and things like that but my point is is that i think you have to be a little bit flexible you have to look at you have to be critical about um you don't want to go to an area that you hate okay that's not good but there's probably multiple areas around the united states that would be suitable to most people um now uh and and you ought to look for opportunities because there's clearly i see it all the time with our fellows there's clearly, um, you know, one place where they like, but the opportunity is clearly not as good. And there may be another place where the, the opportunity is so much better. And it's never a slam dunk, you know, but but I think you really should do, they should do research and, and they should really look at what's out there. Um, they certainly 
it needs to be matched with what you want to do in life. You know, if you're, you know, if you're, if you love doing research and you're just going to go to a private practice position that has, that, and, and there's no support, nobody doing research, it can be done, but it makes it a lot harder, you know, versus trying to find, there's tons of, uh, you know, the aesthetic society, we have a ton of guys in private practice that do great research, you know? So if you like that, you know, you maybe find somebody like that, that's, doing it and can help you continue that or obviously some academic programs um it may be easy to do that but you got to look at your opportunity and there's no template um sometimes one city may have some great opportunities one year and then two years later there's nothing there but there's it may be a city 30 miles from there that has you know a fantastic opportunity so i think you have to go into it with open mind and you know, you some people go in with the mindset, look, you know, I'm just I'll be successful wherever I go. And that may be the case. You know, you I think you know, if you're good and you're, you know, affable and you're somebody that can get along with people, you probably can go most places and, and be okay. But it's certainly easier um if you go somewhere where there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of support. Um, you know, the the other thing I think is really important is just the ecosystem in particular cities, you see it, I see it all the time. You go someplace that is like cutthroat, people hate each other, they're backstabbing each other. That'd be a horrible place to go in the practice, you know. And that's one thing about DFW, I have to say, like it's, uh, you know, like I'm sure that, that's, you know, some of you'll hear this and go, oh, like you're crazy. But, but it's a relatively amicable place to practice, even though we have a lot of people, people get along, we help each other, you know. And I think it, it, we don't see a lot of that crazy stuff. Sometimes I see other places, but yeah, I'd, I'd stay away from that because I, I think that would make make your life miserable. So just be, I think for young people, you got to be really astute. You got to look your opportunities. Um, you know, don't don't get one opportunity just because somebody's going to, if they're going to pay what you think is a lot of money, um, be careful. It's just like patients, right? We tell patients to do their homework, really make sure who's doing their surgery and what they're doing. Same thing here. You know, um, and you mentioned there's some people, there's some resources out there that uh, people can help you evaluate some of op- these opportunities. It's not just about money. It's about the whole package. As the newly elected president of the Aesthetic Society, what are you most excited about? And also, what type of resources are you providing to graduating residents and fellows? Yeah, well, we have, and this is even changing, but we, um, the Aesthetic Society, you know, our why is that we educate. Uh, and that really has been what we've done for the past 55 years. Um, and when I say that, what I mean is that, you know, we do a lot of things in the aesthetic society, but really um, educating surgeons on the highest level of aesthetic surgery is um, our, our why, why we, we exist as a society. And so um, we, you know, have great educational symposia. I call them our vitamins. There are, so there are things like we just had a nuances and injectable symposium. We have a, a breast and body symposium coming up in November in, in Arlington, Texas. We have a, a launching your practice um, symposia, which is in December. We have our face and rhinoplasty symposia, which is in January. And those are kind of our, our vitamins, um, which I call them vitamins because there are things that get surgeons through every day. It's like you take a vitamin every day and it gives you kind of the, the real nutrients you need to subsist the whole day or um, 
over your lifetime, keeps you healthy. That's what these educational things are. And they're, and that's not like just going to 7-Eleven and buying a, you know, 20, a four hour energy, which gives you energy for 30 minutes and you crash and burn. Um, so these two things that surgeons go to every year, they're recurring, they're excellent. We have the best educators uh, in aesthetic surgery in the world uh, at the Aesthetic Society. And then certainly we have our annual meeting, which is, is I think by far the best, uh, a big aesthetic meeting in the world. Um, and then we also biannually have a cruise, an aesthetic cruise, which um, is also quite good. This year it's in July. At, I think it's a Baltic cruise. But um, but but uh, on our membership, especially young surgeons, we've changed a lot of things in the past uh, three or four years because it used to be that you had to not only be board certified, but uh, that submit a certain number of cases that you were doing. There are aesthetic surgery cases, so it usually took people. When I was there, you know, probably at minimum three or four years, usually five to eight years to get into the aesthetic society uh, because, you know, people were doing more reconstructive stuff early on. So that's all changed. Um, no longer uh, do people need to submit case lists. Um, basically, you do need to be board certified, but you can become a candidate member of the aesthetic society um, immediately when you graduate from your residency program. There's there's quite a bit of value to being a candidate member, including you'll you'll pay the same uh, meeting fees as a as an active member. You get access to a lot of the resources that we have. We have uh, some resources that a lot of the residents use now because they have access to it called like radar resource, uh, attending a lot of our symposia, um, which a lot of the residents can do at, at uh, either greatly reduced cost or no cost. Uh, but as a candidate, they have access to all those things, and then uh, immediately when they get board certified, they can uh, go into uh, the process to become an active member. So within a half year, six months of being board certified, they can become an active member. Our fellows, uh, aesthetic, there's an endorsed fellowship program in the Aesthetic Society. So like my fellow at UT Southwestern is an endorsed uh, Aesthetic Society fellowship. We have about 29 of these now across the Aesthetic Society. Um, our fellows actually are going to have even a faster track to get in. Uh, again, it's predicated on them being board certified because that's that's the one thing that there is a it's a time time thing. But um, but they can become like a candidate. It, it's going to be called something slightly different. But we want um, our young surgeons uh, to be able to have access to a lot of the great things we do at the Aesthetic Society. And I would encourage any young surgeon to, um, you know. Look in as you're, when you're a resident, uh, make, you know, come to a meeting. Uh, it's great. It's a great time. Uh, it's great socially, but it's also great educationally. And then once you graduate, uh, become a candidate of the Aesthetic Society immediately. It'll give you a lot of, a lot of value. It gives you access to resources if you need them. Uh, you know, a lot of times there's some, sometimes people go and practice and all of a sudden they're, they're used to being in the residency. They got all these people to talk to and, and then they go and they don't really have that anymore. Um, so we, we have a lot of resources for people to interface with, you know, people that they consider to be experts that have questions or if they want to go, um, you know, we do all this on-demand education now. So you can certainly on your own time, look at things. So, I would highly encourage young young people to you know become a candidate member. Then obviously once once they're board certified, you get right in and you become a full member. 
As a founder of the Plastic Surgery Channel, how has it been going since inception and where do you see it going in the future? Yeah, I think that the Plastic Surgery Channel is really a media company and we, I think we specialize in a couple of different things. The main thing is, is we believe that um, one of the things that we do as physicians is we, I think, ignore our most, um, our, our best marketing asset and our best intellectual property, which is ourselves. And so we help doctors deliver, you know, high-end doctor-delivered video messaging on plastic surgery. And that, I think that helps um, the doctors connect with their community and patients. And so video now is, it's like why you're doing this podcast with a video, right? It's like video is rated across all businesses as your number one marketing asset. You know, if you have a video on your homepage, you're 80% more likely to convert patients for surgery. Um, so video is really important. And so we uh, make it easy for people to get some video assets, but we, so for surgeons, that's, that's one thing, but we also are there for patient education. There's so much misinformation out there. We, we have a lot of experts um, that provide content uh, and produce content through the past surgery channel. And we really want to give patients the right information, but also uh, with programming that is somewhat, we call it edutainment, where it's a little bit entertaining to, to watch. So it's not just so boring. Um, we also uh, do work with some um, uh, industry companies kind of doing various things that they, that they want to do. I think the, the Plastery Channel is, is, is a great model. You know, we're relatively small still, and we've, we've done that purposely. Uh, we'd like to grow uh, more in aesthetic medicine, and I just see us uh, getting bigger, maybe expanding beyond not just plastic surgery, but in first, probably first into aesthetic medicine. Um, and then, you know, there's other specialties. I think our model could be easily translated across um, other specialties, you know, including things like dentistry, you know, uh, fertility, chiro chiropractors, things like that. Um, uh, but right now we're just, we're just a little, a little, uh, little media company in plastic surgery. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Interview with the Surgeon. Until next time, stay focused and keep following your dreams. Thank you.